Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad End Podcast, episode 99. We are so close to number 100. And not only that, but today I am joined, as always, by my favorite co-host, Joshua Calixto. The one and only. How's it going, folks? And today on, this is May 26, 2021, one before the hundo, we're doing Bad End Podcast live. We are right now... Uh, streaming this to an unlisted link on Twitch to everyone who's part of the game club on, on YouTube, Patreon. On YouTube. Oh, excuse me, on YouTube. Uh, so anyone <laughs> who joined the Batting Game Club Patreon tier is now hanging out with us while we record this. It's a new world for Batten Podcast. We're gonna see how it goes. We're gonna see. We're gonna feel it out. Um, yeah. So we've been wanting to do new stuff with this podcast for a while, as you all know, and getting a video element was something that we had kind of been looking at for a while. Uh, but now, yeah, basically you can watch us live stream the bad end podcast episode on YouTube. If you are a member of the bad end game club via Patreon, and, uh, we're going to be putting it live on YouTube as a video podcast when the actual podcast itself goes live, which is every Thursday for the record. So come check us out. We're on YouTube now. It's, bad end on you just search bad end on pod on uh, youtube and you can find us and you can see kyle and me you can see our faces as we record these episodes of bad end podcast so yeah we've literally just been like figuring this out setting it up pretty much for the past hour hour and a half yeah and um it's uh we haven't talked at all about what this episode is going to cover besides that Hopefully we'll get some participation <laughs> from the community, but if the podcast sounds a little different, if it sounds like we're kind of struggling, kind of bear with us just because, I mean, well, I'll probably edit out some of the struggling, uh, since the power, <laughs> the magic of editing and magic of post is available to us, but, um, there might be some differences, you know, like we might have a little bit more of a casual rapport, I feel with this approach. No, I, I think yeah, that's yeah. gonna kind of happen naturally, and then we might we may have just like times where we just address what's being said in the chat. So um, if we do that, you know, we'll make sure to keep it relevant to the current conversation at hand. But um, oh, I yes. guess one also we're saying too the video will go live publicly. It's a it'll be a public video after we do the unlisted stream. So. Everyone who's part of Game Club gets to like be here when it's actually live, can contribute, can shape the podcast, ask us whatever, and then uh, the video will be live for anyone else. So if you like thought there was a really cool discussion about some part of the podcast that you like asked or whatever, like we have the chat record is on the stream too, so you can like share that with like whoever or whatever. Uh, and I think that like I, personally, I'm also excited about this because I've always felt like we talk a lot. Of, about um, a lot of cool stuff on bad end. And we have a lot of interesting guests who also share everything. Like I think we have a lot of great conversations with people and the ability for that to sort of not only be still in the podcast, but able to be broken out a little better. So um, like having some of that stuff that we can just sort of more sh easily share with other people, I think will be really uh, cool. So I'm excited to see what happens um, with, with the podcast. Me too. This has been in the works for a minute. You should see this ring light, dude. This ring light I got going on here. <laughs> you got a I ring hope you're light? watching the stream. Because look, you could bright, you could raise the brightness here. 
if I had no glasses, see, look, you can see it in the reflection of my glasses, the camera in the middle. I've been working yeah. my way up to this, dude. The real um, reason we're doing this podcast as a video right now is because Josh got a new haircut and it finally got to a point where he's feels, he feels like it's ready to debut. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I've had this hair for like a month <laughs> at least, but you got to a point now where it's like properly quaffed. It looks it's like natural. It's got, I actually yeah, haven't done anything to it today. So oh, yeah, just that's nothing. how you know. I didn't do anything with my hair today. It's just it's just how it is. You're looking for fantastic. See the the fans agree. Thank you. <laughs> by, by the way, um, you want to get let's, started? Let's talk some video games. Shall I got we? a whole list. Yeah. Okay. You ready should for I start? Because I played Resident Evil. Oh, you should start. That's a, that's one that people. People are talking about that game. Yeah, there's this is the Discord. This is part of the discourse. So, oh man, Resident Evil Village, aka Resident Evil Eight, aka Resi, Resi Ocho, Resi Ocho, <laughs> is um. How much do y'all know about this this game so far? What have, what have you heard, Kyle? What's what's the word on the street so far? The word on the street that I've heard is that. Um, it seems like it's both bad and like maybe actually B movie bad, but also there's parts of it that are still like frustratingly resident evilly, um, where there's like, there's like, especially with the lead character, I've heard that he's like, it's like so ridiculous that it's clearly not trying to be serious, but at the same time, like it does, it's not, it doesn't hold those two things so well that it's like properly like B movie or properly like horror or something, which I think is, I don't know. This feels like sort of par for the course for resident evil where it's not, it, it's, it's like unable to sort of tonally find where it sits. And I think that after was it five was like the sort of, um, Texas chainsaw massacre esque one, or is that six? I think it was, or was it seven? Seven. Seven. seven? Yeah. The okay, most yeah. recent one. <clears throat> that one was like very sort FPS. of like, yeah, like serious and stuff. And I think people, I thought that one was really cool. I like really dug, that's like what I want from resident evil. Um, but then I guess people didn't really like that. That it was too serious. So sounds like resident evil. I don't know. That's, that's, that's the word on the street that I hear. And then obviously like the tall woman that everyone wants to step on them. Um, but I don't know. You were a big stan of like the remake for two. So you're like a, you're like a yeah, newfound oh Resident Evil fan. Resident Evil remake two was so dope. I loved that game. And I really, I mean, I, I liked four. It was one of the formative games for yeah. me growing up for whatever. Did you, did you play four slash like four? Yeah. yeah. GameCube so, baby. <laughs> Resident Evil eight is like the closest thing to me that I've gotten to four. Um, because but four wasn't silly though i don't feel like this i wouldn't say this one is necessarily silly i think there's a lot of stuff to it that is very much over the top and you never feel a sense of like overwhelming danger but there's a lot of tension in this game yeah um i would say it doesn't have anything that is quite as scary as the like chainsaw guys in resident evil four. Yeah. Which is one of the most memorable things about that game. And I think this would be 
a better game if there was something along those lines that was just so immediately terrifying that it just grabbed you by the throat and was like, we're not fucking around here, you know? But after a certain point, Resident Evil 4 even becomes a game where you're not really worried about the stuff around you. You know, you're kind of like you normalize to it. You're like, you know, it's going to hit. Well, and it's like you have cool weapons and you are kitted out and you have like fire grenades and you've upgraded your gun and you're just shooting shit everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's there's this sense of empowerment that you get from that game that I think this one gets very close to and it makes the game fun because there's a sense of like kind of the turning the tables on these horror scenarios, which I really, really enjoy about it. And, um, it's also one of those things where I like all of the scenarios that they're putting in front of you. Like Mm -hmm. they go with a lot of different themes, right? There's like a lot, it feels very like not scary farm haunted house type thing. I don't know if, do you understand not scary farm as a reference? (laughs) Is, uh, a, is that a thing? I mean, I, I sort of understand what scary farm haunted house means when those words are put together. Is that a, it's not like a, a show, is it? <laughs> there's a theme park here called Knott's Berry Farm. Are you familiar? Oh, Knott's Berry Farm. Is that the Knott's place where they take Berry pictures farm. of people and post them online when they like get scared? <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the places they take pictures of you when you're on rides and stuff. And you're like, ah. yeah. Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. I don't know that. Um, but during the, Halloween season, Al Hallows Eve's season, it becomes not scary farm because <laughs> yes, it's scary. It That's becomes great. scary. So it's got a, that kind of haunted house, community haunted house thing going on. And um I I really like that about it. It's it's a little bit at times cheesy, I guess you could say. But in a way that I find very, very charming. Yeah. And that I just, it's just fun. This game is more fun than I think a lot of the other Resident Evils have been. You know, you're, I was yeah. never really scared. There's like a doll part where people, that people have said is actually scary. But I didn't find myself very scared by that. Um, and also like the jump scares are just fun. You're just kind of like. You, some of them are just so ridiculous that you just have to kind of chuckle to yourself after. Cause like, it's like, ah, you got me, you know, but I'm, I'm like replaying through the game, grinding my guns and it's It's like like short, right? It's like six to eight hours or something. Uh, my, my playthrough was like 10 and a half hours. It's like reasonable, but I like got lost a lot and I was like grinding stuff. Um, someone in our chat brought up that there's a hat mod, which I have seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen this? Where like every the hat time it's getting you, bigger, <laughs> you turn around, Lady Dimitrescu. That's how they pronounce it. In Dimitrescu. It's like Dimitrescu. Is, is like yeah. That's, that's what I thought it was. Think it. Yeah. When, whenever you turn around, her hat gets bigger. To the <laughs> way like he's just like seeing her like half an hour into playing or whatever. And the hat is just taking up all the screen, but it's that kind of thing that just makes the game fun, but it's also fucking beautiful. Like, yeah, it looks super pretty. 
oh my God, these environments are gorgeous. The lighting, I was streaming it. Um, and I realized after the stream, like, I was like, why, why am I streaming at like 10 FPS? And I realized it's cause I had RTX on. <laughs> 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 so it was going like 25 fps like ps2 shadow of the colossus like, but speeds. it's so pretty yeah it uh, uh someone asked do the character models look as good as the environment um i would say they do i mean i'm trying to think there's some really just neat shit in this game you know like the at the beginning of the game you're like holding your baby and it's just this baby looks nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nuts! This baby looks baby. nuts, dude. This baby looks this nuts. RTX on baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, I can see it teething. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the monsters—they got this fur, and you're just you're looking at the fur, and it looks cool. And uh, there's a bunch of like kind of grody ass monsters. <laughs> um, grody. It's grody. I don't. I don't really know what else to say about this game at the moment. There's surprises. There's surprises in here. It goes to some places that's just like they want you to have fun. You know. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Like we don't. The f word is a. That's like the one swear word on bad end. <laughs> but I feel like from what I heard about this game, I was like, yeah, it sounds like it's fun. <laughs> it sounds like. It, it might not really understand what it's like doing and not do it the best, but like, damn, if it isn't having a fun time with the video game in a way that feels like delightfully low stakes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Resident Evil though, right? Is everyone, there's a big struggle over at a big discourse over what the Resident Evil tone is. And yeah. I feel like the Resident Evil tone has always been you know, mid to pretty damn scary <laughs> with like an ending that just become just jumps the shark and you expect that to happen. You know, that's that's the formula for Resident Evil. So the shark jumping is part of the formula, which at this point, you know, when that happens, we shouldn't be surprised by it, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. You know? I guess I'm just sort of surprised that like of all the things that came out in the like late nineties, early two thousands that like resident evil makes it out. What? Like who, what? I mean, it's just such like a weird, there's like no, like there's not really any consistent character. Like there's Chris who's just like boring white man. There's Jill who's like boring white girl. And there's like zombies. Right. It's like, it's a, it's like a, clunky that's when i think of resident evil, i think of clunky ass gameplay i think of like characters who are like way too fucking heavy and like you got weird inventory systems and you're like trying to lumber around feeling like you're a tank or something but you're not but it's just like reed says it's, it's pretty weird. sure you literally jump a shark in resident <laughs> evil one <laughs> it's just weird it's like of all the things that like get lifted it's like the it's like the Fast and Furious of video game franchises, where it was just sort of like a time and place made these things come together. And then actually, no, what I mean to say is that it's like Ludacris's relationship to the Fast and Furious series, 
where like he was just in the right time and place for like to be cast in this role. And now he's like in giant, like massive franchise movies as like ludicrous, which is insane. One could even say that's ludicrous. I feel like resident evil's relationship to the video game landscape is similar where it's like, just like a, just a zombie game. It's like a herb zombie game. I know that they've changed it up a little bit, but like, Okay. 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 I don't okay, know. Okay. 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 First it's just, of it's all, weird. It's weird that it exists. It's like, it's weird that this thing is still around and they're just sort of like, well, I guess people buy resident evil games. So moment of silence for silent Hill as Mike. Oh yeah, man. All right. In the chat. Um, but I, I want to talk about this a little bit more because there's obviously a distinction between silent Hill and resident evil. I think the first resident evil, maybe not because the first one was, Again, that really weird mix of tones. But I would argue yeah. that Silent Hill 1 was as well, where it was like the whole doghouse thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I guess like tonally there was some weird stuff with Silent Hill, maybe not to the extent as it was with Resident Evil. But Silent Hill was like a legit scary game that was doing some really cool new stuff. Whereas Resident Evil, I feel like was kind of more focused on the survival horror slash like action puzzler gamey elements of the horror genre. Um, And I think that is one reason why it's evolved. I think that those that jumping from the supernatural ideas that it's giving you in the beginning to the sort of red herringed sci-fi umbrella corporation shit going on behind it all is kind of what gave it legs over time because ultimately that resonates more with a larger demographic of gamers where it's like, Oh, you get the shotgun. You, you made the, the bullets from the gunpowder and you used your herbs to make medicine and shit like that. You're doing crafting and there's all types of inventory management and, but balanced out by that moment to moment empowerment that I think has only grown more pronounced over the years to the point where now that is like a defining element of Resident Evil is that like you have these moments where you feel badass and powerful because you're given like a an outsized amount of power despite the fact that you're in this really scary world where everything is trying to kill you. Yeah. I think I feel like what I think happened was sort of the like it's easy to forget, right? That it wasn't the case that every game used to be sort of like an RPG. And I think that similar now. And what I mean by that is that like, like the idea that like guns have stats in call of duty and you can like upgrade them is like not a thing that existed 15 years ago in the same way. Um, I think that something like resident evil, I think that it's easy for us to look back on it and sort of feel like it's sort of generic. But at the time realized that like if you had a third person, like character action game, you had like, Jack and Daxter, like Sly Cooper, like that sort of ilk of PlayStation-y stuff. And I know Resident Evil 1 was sort of before that, but like you didn't have this sort of like, yeah, like like what, what you would associate with Resident Evil 1 and 2, especially. And I think that what happened is sort of like what happened to like the RPGification of games where a lot of games became just more like Resident Evil 
So like you have like weird, scary sections in like a lot of third person games now, even if it's just sort of like a tour of that, they sort of like gathered those mechanics or whatever and put them inside of a game. Like something like Uncharted owes like, or not Uncharted, um, The Last of Us owes like a lot to Resident Evil and like that whole tone and pacing of how that game plays out. Uh, so I think it's easy to now to feel like it's sort of generic, but at the same time be like, oh, this actually had a legacy that sort of inspired stuff to go in that direction like later on. Um, but like, I think kudos to them, right. For doing what they did for seven and eight, which has been to like mix up the formula and say that like, instead of us trying to be the like boring generic version of this thing that other people can copy, like what if we go somewhere else and say like, let's do a first person horror thing. That's like very embodied, um, maybe themselves inspired by something like gone home, which is like, you know, uh, or stuff like, um, what was like, the, oh, the first amnesia game, like when those came out, right. Those were sort of a new way to do horror that felt not like the games that were picking up from what Resident Evil was putting down. So, yeah. I mean, those games are interesting too, because it's like the walking simulator as a thing that is like, as a sort of genre of video game that is not about giving the player power. Yeah. You know, it's decidedly not a power fantasy and i think that's the kind of gone home effect of like you don't do anything you just walk around and you have literally no power to do anything like you can only look at stuff really and yeah and move away from things so when yeah. it sets up that whole scary vibe at the beginning that's what gives it i think a little bit more of that that power um do you think it was inspired by the rise of VR. Is, is a question. Oh, this is a question from the chat. Yes. Uh, I I would look way more to like uh, walking simulator stuff. I think, I think that those two things are sort of unrelated in the fact that they happened at the same time, especially because like a lot of the notable walking simulators of the past five years were sort of out when at least early versions of VR were out and chose to not do VR. So I don't think necessarily that they're related but maybe because well, resident evil just... 7 had the vr element yeah 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 so i think the the question is whether you know resident evil 8's continuation of that was you know part was influenced still by the initial vr kind of expression that took place with resident evil 7 which I almost feel like the Resident Evil 7 VR thing was like an attempt to break into a burgeoning genre of, you know, the VR gaming. And so they they made this first person experience that I think just and I, and I think it just carried over just because it turned out to work, you know, and they probably yeah. already had an engine or something, which so I guess in that way. In, in the sense that this is this this part of the Resident Evil after Resident Evil Seven, then yeah, I guess it it is influenced by VR in its own way. But I would not say that it's first person because of the fact that RE Seven was VR. I think it's yeah. just like it's more. Just I think they're just they're just like they can do it now. They can do first person horror. Um, and there's like so much to mine there 
uh, and they're just like, let's just do that. Like they've, especially like in light of what I just previously said, which is that a lot of other people are just doing third person horror sequences in bigger AAA games. It's like, it feels like maybe it's a more like potent area to explore. Um, cause there were like so many like third person horror games for so long. Like the PS2 is like rife with this like type of thing, like stuff like rule of Rose, like all these, like even like silent Hill. I mean, RIP again, but like, it was such a thing. I'm sure they were just tired of it. Fatal like, frame. Fatal Siren. Frame. Yeah. Indigo prophecy. Clock tower. Yeah. Indigo prophecy. Is that, yeah. Is that a horror game? Yeah. Hor- it's horror ish. Isn't that a David Cage game? Yeah. This David Cage joint. <laughs> Alan Wake. Thanks Mike in the chat. Alan Wake. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right, let's, let's move. Let's, let's go on. Let's go. RE8, on. Cool game. Let's talk about it. some new games. Uh, I am playing mass effect remastered. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I don't have a lot to say about mass effect remastered yet. Cause I'm still in mass effect one and sure is mass effect. It's like crazy going back to play this thing and just being like, damn, they really did it. Like the, the scale of this game is like still staggering, especially knowing what's like, what contains in it, it does sort of feel like you exist and this like galactic ecosystem and like the Citadel is like still incredible. I think some of like the dialogue branching stuff didn't age really well. Cause I remember like when playing this, when this came out and I was like early college or whatever and being like, Oh, you could like talk to all these races and like learn about them. And then like in reality, what that is is like you go talk to an alien and there's two options. One is culture and one is history. <laughs> and you can do either one and then you can say goodbye. <laughs> Go walk around. Um, and something, some are more deep than that. But I do think it's like, it, it feels like just pretty staggering. And like the stakes and sort of like stuff they set up, even just by the time you get to the Citadel, it's like Saren's betrayed someone who was like a high up person, had like a lot of political power. There's some mention of like, an uprising and the, the outer systems. And there's obviously the, some progenitor space race, but then also you learn about there's a galactic council and they're like, you, you get some space racism, like before you even hit the Citadel and just that whole package is like being delivered in like, I don't know, like a little, like less than an hour or an hour ish is pretty staggering. And I haven't really played anything like it since then, I think. And knowing that there's like two whole other more games. Cause I played like maybe, I don't know, a quarter of three and then I, Oh, sorry, a quarter of two and then never played three. So I'm sort of excited to like go back and actually do this also like without the fucking buzzard of mass effect discourse, which do you remember mass effect discourse, Josh? Because it was like the fucking MCU who like doesn't? everyone always talking about mass effect, everything like what was problematic or not. Was it good? Was it bad? People hate it because it's too progressive. People hate it because it's not progressive enough. People hate it because of like the themes they show are like maybe xenophobic, maybe homophobic, maybe not that maybe like just like everything. It's like the, it's like all the same discourse that gets like lobbied at like any popular game. Imagine that for like three games for a decade. It was like crazy. Yeah. It was like like Murphy's Law 
Murphy's Law discourse, <laughs> like any conversation that can happen will happen, you know? So there was so much, like, I feel like the, the notion of the discourse in video games, like, started because of Mass Effect. Like, people just cut their teeth on Mass Effect takes. And, like, just being able to play it as, like, a video game now, and, like, obviously it's got issues, it's got problems, it also is, like, sort of progressive in a lot of ways that was not typical of games and this came out, this game came out in like 2007. Like this is a long time ago, especially in like cultural years. And we got some multimedia yeah. going on here. Oh man, this man way. brought up a trailer on the Check live this podcast. The, see soundtrack soundtrack still rips to tell you that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy going back and like playing this game and like thinking about who I was when I was playing it, thinking about, I wouldn't even say it's legacy. Like it's, it's this weird thing that was like such a thing for like 10 ish years, I guess. I can't hear that. It was like such a thing for like 10 ish years when it was out. And then the fact that like people now talk about it as if it's like 60 years old and it was like, Oh, I came into games because of mass effect, but like no one's like doing mass effect still. Like it doesn't even feel like it has a legacy maybe because it's like too crazy to like actually attempt again. But so playing it now, it's this, it's like this weird thing that was like such a big deal that doesn't have a lot of like long tail stuff. I mean, I guess like the conversation wheel, but like who the fuck cares? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just like, I'm excited to keep playing it. I'm excited to like make it through two and three. I've also heard good things about Andromeda. Um, so maybe I'll live in mass effect for a while, but I have another, I have another dear child that I've been uh, tending to. That's not this game um, that I can also talk a little more about, but yeah, I don't know. Are you going to play mass effect remastered re retrilogied? I mean, do I really want to play mass effect again? You know, I I'm asking you that question right now. I don't, I, and I think the, the answer is that no, I don't, I don't really care to, <laughs> um, not because it's bad, but because it's a fucking long game, man. And it is a long game. Okay, first off, let, I, let's talk a bit, let's brew a little bit more on the tone and the vibes of this game because I think that's all important. Um, Yusef brings up some good points. OG Citadel, Citadel. kind of has <laughs> encyclopedia on a CD-ROM vibe. <laughs> so true. You're like... Um, you could just see that on like a, like some old Mac in a elementary school where you're like clicking around through like a hyper card version of like a space planet. And it's like, tell me about your culture. And it's like, dun, 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 dun. I used to have My this, culture is a, nah, 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 nah. I used to have this game where it was like the, it was like dinosaurs. It was like one of the first three Dino Park games. Tycoon, baby. Hell no, yeah. It wasn't, a, it was like an encyclopedia type thing where okay. you could, it was like interactive exhibits and you can just go and look at these big dinosaurs and it was like fucking crazy i'd never experienced anything like that it was like so immersive even though it was basically like wolfenstein-esque quality graphics um yeah but the dream of that i think does come to life in mass effect and i think that's a big part of the power of that game right where it's like it's this whole world where you can kind of learn more about it and interact with the people in it and it was one of the first to do that and one thing that I've kind of noticed about video games that break the mold is that they ostensibly create a world in which that is now a thing that has been done and can be done by more people. So 
we just tend to kind of brush that off, you know? Yeah. But there hasn't really been a Mass Effect since Mass Effect, you know? I mean, don't forget Two Human was like, it was like in the running at the same time for like the next big sci-fi, I guess like maybe Anthem or like destiny is like trying to, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But with it's destiny, not, so it's like you can, you yeah, but can't not, interact yeah. with the people you can't, it doesn't have the role playing elements of like being in this world and partaking in the economy and fucking being a badass or a very a nice guy. Yeah. Or whatever gender you select. But I think that is still unique in the space. And it's one of those things where because it exists, we talk about it as if it's something that has been beaten into the ground, but it is still kind of its own thing. You know, it, yeah. it's been done in other realms like fantasy, like I think Dragon Age, obviously. And then you have yeah. like the Witcher that kind of outdid that, but there's no real witcher of there's no witcher, witcher space of the stars opera. <laughs> yeah. you know witcher in space there's no like firefly game there's no like expanse game there's no like stargate game there's no like battlestar galactica games like they're not really those games that get at this even like star trek like why is there no like mass effect style star trek game or even star wars like there's nothing that's like doing that which is so strange i think because it's like a fucking like lot of work like i think that yeah i mean that's the that's i remember the i was answer, reading right yeah there was an interview with the dude and um who wrote it in polygon and like he was talking about like the size of the scripts and it's just like an insane amount of dialogue um I mean, shout outs to Disco Elysium once again for, I think, having a longer script than Mass Effect. But like, it's still, you don't sit down to be like, I'm going to write, you know, 20 novels worth of text. Like, that's just crazy. That's, you don't do that. I think that once they sort of, I think once they found success, they realized sort of the size of the endeavor they were taking on. But I don't know. I feel like, there, I feel like there's ways to do this now. Like, I could totally see something that like, is small and grows over time. Like sort of like what fallen London does or something where, you know, it's like got this core story. And then as people discover and explore stuff, you just sort of like pad it out. Um, and there is a new mass effect game coming out. So like, and Josh is still in the trailer right now on the, the live stream, like maybe they do it again <laughs> or something. I don't know. But at the same time, you know, like, Mass Effect does feel very economical in a lot of ways, especially when I think about it now. It feels like a maybe a more, it feels like a bigger game than maybe it really was. I think writing oh, wise, yeah, dude, there's a lot of like, work involved. But sorry, yeah, go ahead. Just like yeah, the levels are so fucking linear. It's like they don't even really try to hide it. Like the shooting stuff feels so obviously like ancillary to everything else that. Uh, yeah, it's like they clearly like, and like really you can't actually visit all the planets cause you can, a lot of them are just sort of empty. And then there's like the three ones that really have stuff on them are like key plot points or something. And it's also obviously not the whole planet. So, uh, like there's, I think, I think you can like probably visit more planets in more detail in something like the outer wilds, um, then, uh, 
Mass Effect, but yeah. The Outer Wilds is really... That's probably... Getting an expansion. Getting an expansion. Can you believe it? What? Yeah. This, they announced an expansion for the Outer Wilds like two months ago. Who when knows? I think of the Outer Wilds, to be honest with you, I get a little... It exhausts choked, me, choked the idea up. of it. Oh, wait. Sorry. The... Which Outer is the, Worlds, you're thinking. Outer Worlds. I'm thinking of Outer Worlds is getting expansion. Outer Wilds. Oh, no, Outer Wilds is the... Which is the indie one? Outer Wilds. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's that one exhausts getting expansion. You? Yes. I thought you'd... No, you you hated the one that was the Outer Worlds. AAA, the Outer Worlds. Like, that yes. one should exhaust you. No, it doesn't. But I don't like it as much as I okay. like the Outer Wilds. Just because it exhausts me doesn't mean I don't like it. Like I like it, okay. but it, like Dark Souls <laughs> exhausts me. But I I like the game. Outer Wilds is getting expansion, and uh, yes. Zach has verified this. Outer Worlds has also gotten an expansion, which also makes this complicated. Hmm. Well. All this is to say it's it exhausts me because it's the type of game where some of this shit in that game horrified me like beyond what I've felt in other games before. Like to the point yeah. where there's things that happen to you that are scary and your body has an adverse reaction just thinking about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened <laughs> to me with Outer Wilds, you know? There's a section yeah. where there's those fucking angler fish. Yeah, Did you dude. play this game? Did you finish this game? I st I still have not beat this game to my, like, deep dismay because I've loved every moment I've played of it. it but yeah, that fucking angler fish shit is, like... fucking scariest shit. And then the whole, like, surviving... Dude, it's just... It's, it's a scary game despite not being quote scary, scary. yeah yeah and my body has that response to it where it's like when you go somewhere like when you go into a deep dark cave and you're like i don't want to be here right now this is not a place a human is supposed to be there's yeah fucking crazy mushrooms in here and there's like bugs that i can't see that are trying to kill me and when you think about the cave later on you have the feeling of not wanting to go to the cave grows even stronger. And that's what Outer yeah. Wilds is to me. <laughs> so, but not mass effect. Right. And, and <laughs> they bring up a good point in the chat, which is that outer worlds was supposed to be kind of like a first person, like the, basically a Bethesda version of mass effect. Yeah. Cause it was like, it wasn't like looking glass, but it was one of these sort of immersive sim studios or in exile. I think did it. It was like people who did it, um, people who were at Bethesda before. Yeah. Right. They were like all former Bethesda yeah. people basically. This, I bet, I bet there is a non true amount of people out there who just like eat that shit up and like love the outer worlds. But we don't, we, I was actually thinking we need to get the high schooler back on this podcast. We need to ask them what the kids are doing these days because I'm feeling like we're going to add a touch. Maybe like the outer worlds is like the thing. Dude, COVID made me feel so much more out of touch. I realized <laughs> because the only way I felt like I wasn't out of touch is because I played a lot of Valorant, which yeah. really gets you in there, gets you in that world a little bit. <laughs> but everything else, it's like you sometimes you got to go out to see what the kids are doing. 
you know? <laughs> like, the only reason why I know about the whole shoot dance shit and, like, the fucking, the Fortnite dance shit that kids do, you yeah. know? Are you talking about flossing? No, dude, this thing that I'm doing right now. I can't, what is this um, one the called? video's lagging. I think it's just a TikTok dance. No, does anybody know what this dance is called, dude? <laughs> video it's the worst uh, josh you're not gonna go viral with check those out moves. the video podcast yeah uh, <laughs> if you want to see wait up orange juice orange juice it's that song that's like take me for a ride you wanna orange juice dance go, <laughs> i've never moved my muscles like that in my yeah. life says someone. um it just reminds me i like i downloaded tiktok and had it for like a week and i was like i can't I'm not this young anymore. I can't keep up with this shit. So I deleted it. And now I just see it on Twitter. <laughs> this fucking video, dude. Fortnite orange <laughs> juice emote. Dance emote. One hour. <laughs> oh my God. What is this? Someone clip that. Someone clip that. Someone clip that. <laughs> They're, every dance is in Fortnite though. That's like their whole thing. This is what the kids are doing these days. Okay, here's the. That looks like the dance from the like um the like hardcore. You remember that video that was like the hardcore kids dancing under a bridge? That was like exactly. No, literally, and you know the way I learned about this dance wasn't even through Fortnite. I'm sure it's taken from some some, (laughs) you know, some kid on YouTube who posted this dance and they just put it in Fortnite, which is like every Fortnite dance. Um, but. I learned about this because like, you know, whenever they, every kid is doing this and then they put it on the jumbo projector <laughs> at like the baseball game or whatever. And there's just, there's all these kids immediately start doing this shit, flossing and then this dance. That's what they're doing. And COVID. Do you remember me talking? Oh, go ahead. With COVID, there's no baseball. There's no sports. I can't watch audiences on the tv where it cuts to a little kid just going they're doing this dance the orange juice crazy <laughs> dude like they're gonna break i'm 98 sure they're gonna break something going with this. too hard <laughs> do you remember i don't I, we were doing bad in at this point but there was a while ago i went to this like um there's like a very uh it's a family friendly sort of ski lodge uh, a little upstate from here and um there's like a lot of kids there and i don't spend a lot of time around kids. Cause I don't have a kid. Uh, not, even my friends who have kids are very young and I'm not involved with the school or anything. So like, I don't see kids a lot. So I had this experience where like, but the th- I talked about this bad in like forever ago, but like what was crazy about seeing kids do dances like this was that, um, like if you're a person 30 years ago and you're like, doing a dance you're like doing a dance and then you sort of do the dance and then the dance is over but the way these kids were dancing is that they were dancing as if they were cycling through the emote options where they would like start two steps of like the first dance and then sort of stop and they would like do the same sort of thing that an avatar does where like it sort of switches its motions and then they would like start doing this other dance and they would just like flip between these two dances like because there's like this like i don't it's, it's almost like this mimetic thing that happens where like the understanding of the way the dances are connected is the actual mechanism in which you view the dances it's like tweening, dude. together. 
It's like yeah, it was. They were like they were literally tweening, tweening themselves ass. between dances. It was like fucking blew my mind. I was like, this is. I, I wasn't like society's going into shit or anything. I was just like, this is crazy that like these kids are like doing these dances as if they are looking at them as options for emotes to do. Is this so, fair use, by the way? Yeah, we're gonna get banned on YouTube. First video podcast banned. I mean, it's we'll do our diegetic. We're both watching these videos. Yeah, I'll turn. I'll, I'll bring us back to the uh, this. dude. This production <laughs> quality is nuts, dude. I can't believe this is working. Anyway, what? Just the video podcast? No, the cut. This the the oh, multimedia the view, that. dude. Yeah. This is sick. I love this. Y'all got to get in on it. Y'all gotta, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, video mood lighting. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, if you are watching or listening via the typical channels, strongly suggest it's, it's, I think the video is, is cool. The video stuff's cool. So, <laughs> so let him bring up it out. sumo and chat just said, Quoting someone, orange juice is one of the most popular emotes. A summary of a poll in December 17th, 2018 shows that this dance was a favorite of 45% of Fortnite players. Josh, I hate to break it to you, but this was popular in 2018. That was three years ago. So maybe orange this is not justice. even the dance orange anymore. Justice. No, this is still the dance. Oh. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> this is still the fucking dance. <laughs> like these kids, have you ever seen... If you ever see any, and when I say kids, I'm, it's a wide range. It's like five years old, probably even younger, to like through high school, people doing this dance. It's wild. No. It's wild. Orange Justice, by the way. Orange Juice is a better name for a dance. Maybe the original. I mean, because Orange Justice is the name of the emote, so it might the the original dance might be called something closer to Orange Juice. I don't know, I don't know. I don't even know what they what do they call flossing? Is there flossing in Fortnite? I think there's still flossing in Fortnite because they those dudes lost the lawsuit. <laughs> Same thing with like the Millie Rock. I think is still in there. I don't think they call them the they don't call them the names though. I think in, for any of the dances, which is also part of the issue. What do they call the Millie Rock? in Fortnite. Anyway, COVID makes me feel a lot more out of touch because the places where I usually would pick up on those things is like outside. Of, well, you know what? And it's weird because I don't know the origins of anything or where this shit comes from. I used to, I watched this uh, Valorant streamer, Sub Rosa, and he was doing the whole sheesh. Oh, sheesh. sheesh. Yeah, you know. Sheesh. I just learned about that this week and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like the like the heroin arm hit thing, ice in my veins. Ice in my veins is what that means. It looks like you're doing heroin. I don't. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, but Subrosa used to say that. Subrosa, by the way, great streamer. One of my favorites. He's a he's a funny guy. Like there's streamers out there who can make you laugh, but there's very few who are actually funny people. Subrosa is a legitimately funny person. He's like quick. He has a great sense of humor. He's not typically making jokes at anybody else's expense. He's like that. Per he he does that self. He's really good at being self-deprecating, but also like over the top egotistical, which he deserves to be yeah. because he's extremely good at Valorant. He's a pro Valorant player. <laughs> he's a pro Valorant player. 
But yeah. like there's a there's this it, I feel weird explaining this because it's like funnier when you see the clip, obviously. But he's like he's pulling off this crazy one V four and his phone starts like ringing right before <laughs> he's about to start it. And he's like his phone is ringing and he pulls off this crazy fucking one V four. And the person has like already hung up because the phone has been ringing for so long. But afterwards he picks it up. He's like. Hello, T1? No, I'm sorry. I can't sign with you. I'm already signed at TSM. And he hangs up the phone like it's someone trying to recruit him. Oh, it's just so... He's fast and he's hilarious. And watch this guy. And you'll learn a lot more about Zoomer culture. I don't know if I want to learn more about Zoomer culture. I feel like I'm still trying to reckon with millennial culture. Oh, that's but you know, probably true. Did you play any other games, Kyle? Man, the thing I've been playing the most, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got chat here for this. I've still been playing Bloodborne. Mm. I've talked about Bloodborne on this podcast before because I said I was playing it before and I've been playing it. And I'm pretty, I thought I was far, but the achievement progress is like 15% or some shit. So I don't know if it's because I'm like not doing the right stuff, but I, I just, uh, I don't know. There's like this boss in the swamp where it's like three bosses sort of all together. Um, did you beat Bloodborne? You didn't play it or something, right? I beat like half of it. What's that? What's the half? Do you remember? Like, I started seeing like aliens. Okay. Maybe that's you not started. Half. That's what's so this, but this is the thing though. Like this is what I want to talk about. Bloodborne is like a weird game and I don't like do not hear enough about it. I think that like I heard about it, but I get the sense that like, like a dark souls game, it just like filters a ton of people. Like we, when we had like Bijan on right. He was like, couldn't get past Gasconi. Who's like the first boss. Um, love you Bijan. Uh, but like, and there's like a lot of other stuff after that. And the, the game just starts like going to these like places that I was not expecting at all because maybe no one like played it the whole way. Like there's just like all this weird stuff. Like, um, I mean, mild spoilers for bloodborne, I guess. I don't know. Like all the alien shit, like the, Oh, not, not really aliens, but there's like, I have like a loose grasp on the story of bloodborne as anyone I expect does, but like, there's like, like weird, like Cthulhu style gods, who are like infecting people and like making them turn into snakes and like all this shit. And there's like just straight up like weird, um, like the, like the place that you sort of start in, like your main area is called the hunter's dream. There's like a place called the hunter's nightmare, which is like this totally distorted like version of, uh, this area that you play in. And there's like, all this like other stuff that's going on that I like never heard about. And I feel like compared to something like dark souls or dark souls two, where um, like dark souls is like very tonally consistent throughout the whole thing. It's like, Oh, it's like dour and sad. And then you're like 30 hours later, you're like still dour, still sad, still Gothic, whatever. Like bloodborne just like goes weird it gets like very weird in a way i was like not expecting like at all um yeah like the video we're looking at now uh is just showing the this like the sort of the very start place at the um i think it's like the central yarnum 
like bonfire ish thing, just like running through and it's like Gothic. And it's, it's like what you see when you think of bloodborne is like Gothic cathedral, sort of like ornate stuff. But like, there's just like all this other shit that sort of like is actually really effective. It's sort of the game teases it over time, but like all these like weird things happen leading up to this moment. Like, um, again, slight spoilers for bloodborne, but like there's a specific enemy that when it kills you, it like teleports you somewhere else and you have no context on where you are. You're like, it's like way too hard. And it's like, what the fuck? Like it's, it's, it's like that moment in dark souls one where you, uh, finish the, um, like the undead asylum or whatever. And you go up to that nest and the crow grabs you. There's like a lot of moments like that in bloodborne that are like very disorienting, very weird, what it's just like strange. It's very strange in a way that I was like not expecting. And it's been like very exciting um, because like the other thing that it's doing is that unlike the dark souls games, there is this like crescendo. There is like this arc where you start out doing what you're seeing right here in the video. You're like fighting villagers and fighting stuff that like feels dark soulsy, but it starts to like go to this like cosmic horror place at a sort of somewhat like I think pretty good pace. And then all of a sudden the game is just sort of shifting in front of me as I'm playing it. Um, and that's been like really cool. Cause I was not expecting that at all. Um, so just exploring that has been crazy. And then also like uh, I think because of the fact that you have bonfire warping so soon um, compared to like something like dark souls, like you, there's so many more open paths that are sort of open to explore at any given moment where something like dark souls at any one time, you're maybe juggling like two, maybe three locations of places that you know, you could be going like bloodborne at any moment. There's like four or five places where I know I have open sort of open ended items to go check in on. Um, and I think they do that because you can warp between bonfires. Uh, so it's easier to sort of maintain context on different areas. Whereas in dark souls one, uh, you had to, um, unlock the ability to warp between bonfires late game. Uh, so yeah, it's just like, it's just very surprising. I, and I really don't know like where the game is going to go. Um, and no one talks about this. I'm just, and it's such a big deal. Everyone's like, but no one talks about the aliens <laughs> or like the weird fucking old God shit. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's like, like you see, yeah, like what you're seeing now, this is Gascony. Like, this is what you expect from bloodborne. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to get more like sort of scary, sad, Gothic stuff. And it's like, you'll get that. But then like, there's like gods who are the size of Yarnum who like pick you up from the ground. And I think video games more than a lot of other media have this problem where it's like the first three hours syndrome where it's like yeah. the only thing you ever really hear about in the conversation is like the first couple hours because people are so afraid of spoilers and they're so afraid and like what passes for spoilers in video games is like nuts it's like literally years yeah. later and you can't talk about this shit openly because it's like rude you it's like considered rude it's an unwritten rule that like you can't talk about anything more than four hours into the game even if it's been five years since the game came out you know that's just how it works which is kind of weird but um 
That being well, even said, something like Dark Souls where like people aren't even beating it. Like I think that something like 30% of people have like the Gasconi trophy. Yeah. So like, like even if everyone who plays Bloodborne, like only 30% of players actually beat the first boss. Yeah, like what percentage of players who really don't want to be spoiled are actually <laughs> ever gonna <laughs> get to this point in the game that we that you want to talk about, you know? But that being said, the cosmic horror stuff, I, I think that's one of the brilliant things about Souls is that they they can take these classical elements of horror and genre and kind of bend it into ways that you've never seen before, right? Even yeah. the even Bloodborne, its whole gothic horror thing it has going on at the beginning is kind of by the books, but taken yeah. to like its maximalist end point where there's just so much going on. All the spires and the castles and the fucking the fact that the streets are so desolate and gross and there's tombstones everywhere and the trees are all gnarled and there's no hope anywhere and it's just it's just it's a lot and then they start piling on the cosmic horror shit where they do this thing that they did they do this in dark souls too where it's like they have character or monster designs that are like funny almost yeah and it's like <laughs> so funny that it's actually comes back around to feeling perverse you know yeah and um yeah that's that's bloodborne is good at that and i god i gotta pick this game up i'm watching we're watching clips from it right now and it's like fuck i want to play this game man like look at this shit i also like I can't remember if I said this already in the podcast, but one thing I'll also say is that the game is like, it's not easy. However, it is like sort of, it feels easy to play. I think as someone who's like, I basically beat Dark Souls. I think I was like, oh, I did beat Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 1. I'm like pretty good at Souls games now. But like knowing maybe because of that, which is very likely or whatever else, like, Bloodborne feels sort of easy to get through um, in a way where I feel like it wants you to see all this other stuff in a way where like, like there's also just like way more bosses. I feel like in actually, I don't know. There's a lot of bosses in dark souls too. Uh, but like, just like it, it feels like it wants you to get through the game because there's a lot of stuff that they want to show you, like especially with that cosmic horror stuff. So the gameplay is a lot faster and I, I love like not having a shield. Like you have to sort of be open and there's ways that you can um, like basically tweak your build, so to speak, where it can actually reward risk taking directly. Um, like there's, there like, there's like these things called runes and you can equip runes and a few of the runes are like, Oh, basically if you do bloodborne's equivalent of a parry, you can get bullets and like health back. Right. Um, so it, it, so if you're a person who can wants to play really aggressively, you can actually optimize towards that. And so it just makes the game be so snappy, um, in a way that, uh, like dark souls one is not. And so I think it also means that you can have, or in dark souls two, you can have like sort of faster feedback loops on learning. And also it doesn't have like the bullshit thing in dark souls two and like one to a degree where you have to do the reverse hallowing stuff to make your health better. Like if you die in Bloodborne, it's like not that big of a deal, um, which is super nice. So 
you die, you come back, you basically have all of your stuff and your health is full again. And then you can go back to the same level versus having to do this thing where you're like, well, if I die here, I lose half my health and I have to go find a human effigy and like all that stuff doesn't exist in Bloodborne. So there's all these things that are like really pushing you forward, both in terms of how you directly encounter and engage with enemies, but also in how like you sort of do the survival management stuff. Well, then you um, still have to like, go back and get really your cool. blood echoes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, like, you know, leveling up in Dark Souls is not um, a super big thing. Like, it sort of helps your mate. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, like, upgrade a weapon or something, then going back is good. But more often than not, it's never... Maybe, like, once in Bloodborne, and I've probably played for, like, I don't know, 20, 30 hours now, maybe. Like, one thing in it is that I've never... I maybe like one time encountered a situation where I was like, like had a problem getting past something and then I like went and upgraded and came back and it was like better. Like maybe that happened once. Most of the time it's like, Oh, I fucked up here. I overextended. It was my fault. Like having plus two more attack wouldn't really have changed the tide. Um, Sekiro dude. So yeah. Sekiro. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just beat them all. So Dark Souls 2 took forever and I also hate that game. So that wasn't easy, but Bloodborne, I'm like loving every minute, minute of I'm like moving through it. I don't feel like I'm stuck. Um, I don't know how long it is, but like I also have the DLC. I don't know. There's like, also I do love, I just like one small thing about this game. That's great. There's a lot of small things that are great, but like the, the way you warp through the bonfires, like instead of just having one bonfire, that's got a list of every place you can go. Um, in the hunter's dream, each little tombstone has got a list of the, like some number of bonfires that are roughly associated with the area. And as you get to like progressively weird areas, the tombstones like start to fall apart. So like the first like warping areas, like the basic area, and it's like a normal tombstone. The second tombstone's a little cracked. The third one is like decayed. And then the fourth one is like split open with like goo between it. And just like, knowing what's with some of those levels now, like the whole, it just like the whole vibe of moving through the game feels like it maps to this sort of like descent into madness and cosmic horror in a way that like dark souls one and two just like did not touch. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm very excited to like keep going and like see like where the fuck this game goes. Cause I really don't know. Um, and I'm enjoying it. It's like, it's fun. It's snappy. Uh, like this is like, I feel like I like souls games and I think that's like, as someone who's played a ton of games and has a hard time playing a lot of new stuff, what I've found true in myself that I am glad I can fall back onto is that I like what souls games offer and just like knowing that and then engaging with that and then just like really just loving it feels really good <laughs> and Bloodborne just does it really, really, really well. So it just means you're a true uh, gamer. Maybe a true, true gamer. It's just, it's like, it's just so like everything is like just right. There's not like a lot of, I don't know. It's just the whole, like the, everything feels good about it. Yeah. I'm play bloodborne. I have much <laughs> less mental fortitude than I think you need to really get do well with these games because i always yeah i think you have to learn 15 hours or something like that 
Yeah. You got to really like, they don't really let up. I think is the thing like, and oftentimes they get harder. Maybe I just haven't played enough on, um, PC. Cause I hate playing shit on fucking PS4, man. Bloodborne's only on PS4 right now. Yeah. Which sucks. That's probably one of the main reasons why I haven't picked it up again. You know? Yeah. It's like the main reason I turn on my PS4. Well, not that mass effect, but, um, (laughs) you can see that you can actually see the little, things right now i guess this person's not but yeah he's warping into the tombstone yeah well it's good what else you've been playing i um, anything not that i can really think of tennis i played tennis yeah. like every other day for the past like week and a half damn yeah i don't know where this came from but i'm having fun <laughs> sports it's very you should, you should bring up uh bring up some tennis games on the video tennis is very Just for people who don't know oh man i mean oh shit let me tennis is like the U- u.s open <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of sport where i was thinking about this and i'm like man why do i like this so much it's because i feel like part of it is that you have like a peripheral or like you have a almost a controller, right? You have a prop, yeah, which is a tennis racket. And like a lot of the game involves you getting really good at using this object, you know, and like having it act the way that you want it to, which is a very doable thing, you know? And as I've played, I've played a lot of games that ask you to do this sort of thing in the past and have loved my experiences with them. So I loved guitar hero, like super into that. And I've talked here about how, you know, playing guitar sometimes like hits some of the same spots as playing a video game does. But with the fact that I get like some feed more physical feedback from it. Yeah. Um, in that I can like actually hear myself play. I even brought that up in our, our interview with um, Colin Lucas, the mm-hmm. first one, the lost interview. The lost interview. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, our listeners don't have access to that one because it's lost to the ages. But um, tennis is like that, man. I also played a lot of this. It's called Eleven. It's a, it's a ping pong game for VR. And that mm. shit is so fun. Like the physics on that shit... It's 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 basically like you're playing real ping pong, man. Like the way Do you have the, an Oculus Quest? Or a Rift S. I have a Rift S. Oh okay. Yes. The now now obsolete Rift S. <laughs> but I mean it's still it's still good. It's just Yeah. They're not doing it anymore, apparently. But I think now I'm like I'm watching tennis videos and learning technique. And this game is not about like being really strong. It's not about like getting in the gym and lifting and like being super tall and fucking all this stuff. Yeah. It's just really you can play high above, you know, someone who's much stronger than you, who is faster than you, who can, you know, who's more agile. Um, just if you have 
good technique. You know, you can yeah. kind of send the ball wherever you want to go. And it's all about like, what angle are you holding your racket? How are you positioning yourself before you hit the ball? And that stuff, like, I feel myself progressing very fast because I've, I do this thing now where I watch a lot of YouTube videos whenever I start getting into anything. <laughs> and so I'll watch videos on like tennis technique and um, I'll go and then I'm on the court and I implement it and it fucking works. And I'm just like, this is nuts. <laughs> like I, the, I played tennis like one time when I was younger and I was just hitting balls and they were going like almost outside of the freaking court, man. Cause mm -hmm. it's very hard to like, if you don't know what you're doing to keep the ball in the court. And yeah. the reason why is cause you're supposed to hit the ball going from a down to up yeah. swing. So you're pulling the racket up and then on the way up, it hits the ball and that puts top spin on the ball so that even if you hit it really high the trajectory goes it dives down into the court so it stays in the court so like your margin of error is massively higher than if you were just hitting the ball straight on so yeah you know you do this once and you're, you see the ball just curve down and it's not like you're doing some crazy like fucking instant intensely difficult motion with the racket you're just lifting it up when you hit the ball and it works and the ball just curves and you're like well i just did something cool <laughs> and it's like you you get that sense of progress with tennis i think because you're using this tool and you get better at it uh pretty quickly and you can do some actually like impressive things just by watching a couple youtube videos and uh mm -hmm. that's what i'm digging about it man like i i played yesterday and the day before yesterday and then like two days before that and yesterday when i was playing i was playing with my cousin and we played 18 games of tennis <laughs> we were playing for like an hour and a half straight and That's my body was so tired because from it's even yeah, it's from the day workout. before that. And today I like I want to play fucking tennis more. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nuts to me. I never really felt this way about a sport. I, I love playing basketball. Like I played I played a lot of basketball before COVID started. But that's a sport where I like I play a couple times a week, like two times. And I am dude, you I get you get really afraid you're going to get injured in that sport. It's a lot yeah. more physical. There's a lot like tensions get higher. Pickup games kind of suck because you don't know the people you're playing with. And sometimes they're just huge assholes. But tennis, it's like there's little triumphs every time you go out there. <laughs> every time the ball gets over the net, you feel just a little. And good. it's not like absurdly expensive like a lot of other games where you have to like buy something to play you know like i got a racket for like 25 bucks um and like a basketball costs around 25 bucks like a normal basketball yeah, it's like you you just need access to a tennis court really yeah like some balls which a lot of places do honestly you know you can just drive to a court 
or if you, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them have walls where you can like hit the ball against if you're by yourself. Um, it helps to have like friends who will go with you, which I'm lucky enough to kind of have that. But I'm man, when you feel the ball just hit your racket perfectly and it does what you want it to do, it feels good. It feels good. <laughs> Um, you want to, well, I guess we got, we got a few questions and you want to answer a question or two and wrap it up. Number 99. Yeah, let's do it. People are asking us. So the big thing that's going on tonight is there's a dragon quest stream. Expectations are high that number 12 is going to be announced. The question, oh, there we go. Some tennis videos really late in the game there, but we'll, we'll keep it up while I talk about dragon. It's quest. hard to pull up video while I'm <laughs> gushing about gushing tennis. about tennis. Um, I don't know. Do you have any expectations for dragon quest? Um, I, I want the MMO to come to the, uh, West. I would love, uh, what was it? Nine. The like MMO. If they like re-release that in English, There's an MMO that would be really dragon cool. Quest? Yeah, it was a big MMO. I think it's I think it's nine. Um, so I'm sure someone in chat uh, knows, but there was a big. Uh, I think it was just I think it was just in Japan, but it was like a Dragon Quest MMO, and it looked like really cool. Um, but that seems unlikely. But also, like eleven, I feel like just came out like two yeah, years I'm ago. Surprised, but I mean they come out pretty. It's 10. Oh, 10 was the 10 was the MMO. Oops. Helmed by the current I've just Final seen Fantasy this, 14 head. Um Sorry, what was the question again? I, I can't open up my What do you expect here? from Dragon Quest the new stream? Any expectations, any hopes, dreams, wishes? No, no expectations. I only played 11. That's the only Dragon Quest I've played and Rocket Slime which is a spinoff um, where you control slime and you sling the slime yeah. into stuff. Great, great game, by the way. Um, what do you want to see from Dragon Quest in the future? The series has always stuck to its traditional roots. Do you want that Saturday morning anime feel to continue? What would you change? Um, honestly, not much. Like, I feel like Dragon Quest simplicity is part of what makes it what it is. And it's one of those games where every deviation from the formula is what makes it special. And it's what they do with those tweaks that is really gonna make it what it is. Dragon Quest XI was stunning to me. And I've said this on the podcast before because of how it tied in its systems with the story itself. Like the statistics reflected the characters in a way that I'd never experienced before. The, the like level up trees, they shift around as characters develop within the game. So it feels like the statistics are tied in with your character's progress, which is fucking amazing. When you think about it, you got to experience that shit to kind of really understand what's going on. I I feel like I haven't really just, heard many other people talking about this. Maybe I'm not listening in the right places, but that man, when those 
And this is another don't talk past the first five or six hours or whatever thing. (laughs) But when this thing hit, when the, you know, characters, they develop and they get like a slightly new look because of some crazy event that happened. And then a whole new tree of skills opens up to you that wasn't there before, or it connects to another tree or things shift. It is amazing. I, the moment it happened, I was just like shocked at how well executed this was. Um, and then, yeah, just the storytelling is really good. I really liked how it felt like, um, like bite episodic almost despite being yeah, like, you can like, you game. can like finish a level and like wash your hands off and like move on and like feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that is not the case for like, so I guess like final fantasy seven remake actually sort of touches on a similar vibe, but just like the sort of large open world ish feeling linear thing compared to something like, you know, like the Witcher three, where you're like always like running back and forth and stuff. Right. I like that sort of like self-contained story. Right. Same. So, I mean, I I expect it to be similar if it is another mainline entry. Um, but I expect there to be some deviation and this is, you know, take this all with a thousand grains of salt because I have literally only played one dragon quest game, but I'm assuming that's how most of them work because it's very clear from Dragon Quest Eleven that there's a lot of stuff that hasn't really changed over the course of the series. And that seems to be like a defining trait of Dragon Quest, which is fine, which is cool. I here's here's my guess actually. Give it to me. I wouldn't son. be surprised. Say what? Give it to me. Oh, I think they're gonna remaster eight. I would not be surprised if they put out eight for modern consoles. And is there like a quintessential dragon quest? Eight was a pretty big deal. Eight was the, um, it was for PS. I remember it was like, it was like late in the game for PS two or really early PS three, but I would not be surprised if they remaster that because that was sort of the big, that was like the big modern console debut. Um, and it was at a time where like Dragon Quest was still like, I mean, Dragon Quest is popular, right? It's like super popular. It's like the most popular game in like Japan, but it was, yeah. Yeah. PS2. So this was like late in the game PS2. This was like the same time when like, um, like Persona 4 like came to PS2. So Dragon Quest was like never super popular in America, but I think 11 did generally better. Oh, it came out before Final Fantasy 12. Didn't know that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they re-release eight uh, for modern consoles because I think 11 grew the audience uh, maybe more than would have received eight, um, which I think didn't do super well in America. Do like a retroactive cash in? Oh, totally. I mean, everyone's doing it now. Like that's what people do. You know, they re-release old games as new things. Like they, there's no way they're not looking at seven remake and not thinking about doing something similar with like, Oh yeah. I game. mean, I think, and it makes sense, right? Like these are great. But also Asia super well, right? Like the, 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 the nature of these games, like they're all sort of cartoonies. So the art style looks fine. Then the stories themselves are like just, just fantasy romp 
or whatever. So like they put that out and it will just feel to a lot of people like a new Dragon Quest game. Well, and it's like you, you know, a lot of us were kids at the time that this stuff was coming out. And, you know, with Resident Evil 2, for instance, it was one of those things where like I was too young and it's like, but there's a lot of people this stuff would resonate with because it's the OG stuff that in some senses still hasn't been matched um, as far as like their revolutionary or distinctive features are concerned. So I mean, I think Dragon Quest 8 is like one of these games that's like literally like 130 hours long. Let me see. Dragon Quest so yeah main story leisure play 96 hours (laughs) main and extras leisure 165 average 81 hours this is like big ass game um and people love it so that that would be my bet i don't think it feels too early for 12 especially considering how long usually exists between the big releases but eight it's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. This wouldn't be that just hard being to hard remaster. To play. No. One of our listeners says, isn't DQ 11 longer than eight? That's what I hear. Or, or other option is they do the DS one as a proper um, console game. Cause the DS one was super good. Uh, it was like echoes of an elusive age is 11. I don't remember what the DS one was called, but it was really good. Um, I could see them redoing that. Hmm. So I would expect a remaster more than 12, maybe an MMO dragon quest, man. 11 is longer than eight. Oh my God. I don't know if I want to play more than one of of these games. Sounds like you're not, you're not just a dragon quest lover. I think, I feel like it happens because (sighs) like if you're, if you're like into dragon quest, they come out once every like, seven years (laughs) so when you play it like you're not like right now you're still living in like the downwind of playing after yeah but in four years you'll be like oh yeah give me another one maybe playing two back to back like final fantasy is one where i could play a new final fantasy every year or two but it's because it's like they're all different games you know yeah they're not like the same like this look even look at this trailer for i don't know what game this This might be yeah it looks like yeah, like it just looks like Dragon Quest. <laughs> yeah. Nine would be a lot harder. Signals of the Starry Skies, number nine. Up to yeah. consoles, I think. It was so much about generic parties and multiplayer and stuff. Yeah, there was all this crazy multiplayer stuff and these like special dungeons that you could like go to with parties. I feel like it would make sense. Like it'd be hard to do, but I could feel it being like having a mainline game like that on a on like a handheld console seems sort of crazy. I would imagine that maybe bring it back. Dragon Quest. Oh yeah. Sumo bought it to play with me at one point. I, we didn't, I think it's when we were in college. We never like ended up doing it, but I loved that game. I played a lot of it. It just never worked out. And then you sold it. So, all right. You want to wrap it up? Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Like, um, like a fucking, like a baby in Resident Evil 8 with the really high res hairline. Wrap it up like safe sex. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. That's that's the ending of number 99. Uh, this is number 99. So episode 100 is next. Two weeks. Uh, we hope. Please give us ideas for things to do. <laughs> 18 plus. Oh, yeah. We're going to get demonetized. 
<laughs> How is saying safe sex? It's because platforms explicit. are prudes. Like, that's good. I sh- I am encouraging responsible behavior of our teens and um, young adults. Anyway, <laughs> um, this has been bad in episode 99. If you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes or whatever audio format, you could check us out on YouTube too if you want to see the visual elements. Hopefully this... I feel like this was pretty good. This is still about par with what, if not even better than what we usually do. (laughs) (laughs) Just because we're like doing something different and it brings that just the extra juice, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast, friends. We'll probably be on video still like a bit after this. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the show. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Again, we are Bad End Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. Our email is badendpod at gmail.com. You can become part of our Patreon and get access to our Discord and our early video podcast streams at patreon.com slash bad end as a reminder we are part of super culture network which is made up of fun land magazine bullet points i have an article coming out there later this week oh shit my first time writing in a very long time (laughs) i'm a little nervous please be gentle um we also got the super culture review which currently there's one season out dedicated to disco elysium with other seasons potentially to come mm-hmm. keep an eye out there um more projects in the hopper and also we got heterotopias video games and architecture it's video game spaces what more could you want huh what more could you what want more video games and architecture want? anyway let us know what you thought about this uh we always welcome feedback so let us know either via the the discord or email or twitter whatever you feel like reaching out to us but um it's nice to have you all here listening watching and uh we'll see you soon later see ya (laughs) 